man threatens to kill Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis, and white people in general, on Twitter, FBI has been alerted. Two and a half days after his threat, his Twitter profile is still active. Will this be the next mass shooter the FBI doesn't stop? The next known wolf that was on their radar? Also, what major Southern University deleted their entire transgender surgery for minors website after being exposed? And what's the latest on President Trump's legal battle with the feds over the Mar-a-Lago raid? Details on all of this on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 244 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman. And I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you like to support what we do, Go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And we're really excited about our next, our next scheduled interview, Cash Patel. The great Cash Patel, who was chief of staff for President Trump's last Secretary of Defense. He was also on President Trump's National Security Council. He also worked for California Republican Congressman Devin Nunes and helped uncover the crossfire hurricane Russia collusion hoax. And every time Cash Patel goes on War Room with Steve Bannon or Newsmax, One American News, Fox News, wherever he goes, he's always dropping bombshells. So perhaps he'll break some news with us Friday at 11 a.m. Central, live, the great Cash Patel. All right. So I was minding my own business, just trying to do show prep to get ready for this very episode of the Doc Washburn Show, Wednesday evening. As is my habit, I was in the midst of gathering news from many different sources on Twitter, when lo and behold, I noticed that the Twitter profile called Libs of TikTok have posted a video from a guy I'd never heard of named Raphael Rodin. Now, Libs of TikTok is one of those Twitter profiles that is so often over the target. 
that they get kicked off of Twitter every once in a while. Okay? Because they do a lot of damage to the libs. Usually, libs of TikTok features videos of liberals saying and doing outrageous things over on TikTok, right? However, this time, Wednesday evening, they actually linked to Raphael Rodin's tweet from Twitter. It was a video, video from Twitter calling for the murder of white people. I immediately knew I should capture the audio to share it with you here on the Doc Washburn Show. What I did not know, what I could not know, was that that first short video that Libs of TikTok replayed on their Twitter profile from Raphael Rodin actually linked to a second short video and then a third short video. And by the time Mr. Roden was through, he had called not just for the murder of white people in general, but specifically for the targeted assassination of Joe Biden and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, needless to say, this is alarming. The guy tweeted out the videos at approximately 11 a.m. Central Monday. And they were still up after 11 p.m. Wednesday evening. Now, plenty of people had tagged the FBI on their reactions to his tweets. But two and a half days after he put the videos up, his threats of violence against the dementia sufferer in the Oval Office and the sitting governor of Florida were still up. So I captured the audio from the three short videos And when you put the three short videos, you combine them, you put them together, they came to about two minutes and 20 seconds, which is kind of strange because Twitter will let anybody do a video that lasts two minutes and 20 seconds. So he didn't have to chop them up into three different videos. I don't know why he did that. Anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. But I spliced the three videos together so you could hear the whole thing in context. Now, he cussed a lot. And he used the N-word a lot. So, you know, I would splice out the cuss word or the N-word or whatever. I know, I know, I know. What a shock that a racist who's threatening to murder people because of the color of their skin would also have a foul mouth. I know, I was really shocked too. So, look, let me play it for you, and then we can kind of go over it. I'll share some observations with you. This is Raphael Roden on Twitter from right around 11 a.m. Central Monday morning. And as we speak, as I do this um, this live stream, it's a little bit after 3 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning Central time. So it's been up for over two and a half days. So let me get this straight. Every other month we get in some police body cam footage of an getting shot in his bed or shot getting out of his car. I just read an article about some white gang that done killed two niggas in a prison. Uh, ran white men killing black women that they meet on Craigslist and shit, you know, dating apps. Just getting away with it. When do we change things? When do we start killing white people? 
if that's what they doing to us, <laughs> when do, when do we do an eye for an eye? Now here's the irony. If you want to go back 60 or 70 years ago before all the Republicans voted for the civil rights legislation in the mid-60s and the Southern Democrat senators filibustered and tried to keep from getting passed. Before that, yeah, there were a lot of white folk killing black folk relatively speaking, compared to today. But today, it's the other way around. Most murders in this country are black on black. And there's some white on white. And there are a few interracial murders. But of the interracial murders, there are a lot more black on white than white on black. Now, there's no excuse for any murders. You know what I'm saying? They're all hate crimes. You don't murder somebody you love. Huh? I know, I know. OJ said he loved Nicole, but he really didn't. Anyway. Um, so this guy's living in fantasy land, right? Anyway, I got uh, I got more. Because it was it was more nuanced with the like rapist thing. Because people was like, "Well, we don't have people are victims of this system. These white people don't got no excuse. When do we start killing these crackers? I don't need to know you did some crazy racist. I'm a microaggression. I'm willing to end your life at this point in my life. And again, I think this bears repeating because it's been said before. How are the people who are doing the wrong investigating murders like? a police investigation of white supremacist murders of black people in jail aren't going to go very far. They might, did you do this? No, I didn't do this. He said he didn't do it. <laughs> like, like what, like, what are we, like, when are we going to accept that they keep doing that? Well, Y'all not going to like this, but I would kill the president. Like he deserved. You hear this? Do you hear this? I mean, I hope the FBI has already taken this guy in. But as of 11 p.m. Wednesday, his Twitter profile was still up. But I would kill the president. Like, he deserves it. Like, that's the, that's the head white supremacist in charge. <laughs> like, if I got to catch a body, I'm trying to catch a body. Like... It's got to be an important racist. Who else? Like, who's a really evil white person that's got power? A Ron DeSantis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to catch a body. Now, what kind of person thinks Ron DeSantis is evil? Something wrong with this guy. Now, is Joe Biden a white supremacist? Well, he supports Planned Parenthood, so I guess so, but. You can't just go around murdering people. You know what I'm saying? This guy needs to go to federal prison for the rest of his life for threatening Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis. Period. All right. We got about 25 seconds left. Here's the rest. Now, of course, I don't have the means. 
And nine times out of ten, I might be thwarted by Simone Sanders or other members of the Secret Service. But the reasoning is sound. Let's set a precedent. This white supremacist, I'm willing to die for it. Willing to be jailed for it. I'm tired. And that's it. That's it. So, let's look at this. Let's think about this. Now, almost as soon as I recorded that audio, young Mr. Raphael Rodin took his Twitter profile to private mode. In other words, he protected his tweets. Now, if I had stumbled upon the libs of TikTok linking to his video tweet 10 or 15 minutes later, I would have had about the first minute of that audio because they grabbed the first video and they're using it for, for their own purposes. That's fine. But I wouldn't have had any idea that there were the other two video tweets attached to it. I would have had no idea that Mr. Roden was not just calling for the indiscriminate murder of white folk in general but also for the target assassination of Biden and DeSantis. I would not have been able to get to it a few minutes later because as soon as I recorded it, he took his tweets private. He protected them. So, I really think it was the grace of God that I stumbled upon it when I did. So what are we to do with this information? What are we to think? Well, if Raphael Rodin had only threatened to kill white people in general, I would not expect the Federal Bureau of Investigation to do anything to him at all. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They say the biggest threat to our country is domestic violent extremists, but not the kind of domestic violent extremist that has as much melanin as young Mr. Roden, right? They are desperately looking for Caucasian domestic violent extremists. And you know, I mean, if this was like the 1950s or before, they could have found plenty of them. Oh, yeah. But I mean, they are desperately looking in the year 2022. So unless they can do a time machine, it's it's pretty tough sledding. Needle and haystack. Well, good luck, guys. Good luck. Yeah. Now, you know, for that matter, if young Mr. Roden had just called for the murder of Ron DeSantis and other white folks based on past performance, I don't believe that would have been enough to prompt the FBI to lift a finger on that either. But, but, young Mr. Roden made what could be a fatal error. He actually threw Dementia Joe Biden into the mix. He actually threatened the life of a guy that millions of Americans call president. And that could make life difficult for young Mr. Roden. I mean, I hope it does. 
Now, in all fairness, from what I was able to gather, I'm not sure how many people had actually seen Raphael Rodin's Twitter videos threatening violence against white folk, against Dementia Joe Biden, against Ron DeSantis, until somebody tipped off the libs of TikTok folks on Twitter and they posted one of his videos around 7 o'clock Wednesday evening. I'm not sure... If anybody had alerted the FBI before then, because I'm not sure how many people had seen it, Libs of TikTok has a lot of followers. That tends to get people's attention. And I couldn't go back and check with a fine-tooth comb to go, okay, did anybody let the FBI know about this on Monday or Tuesday? Because by the time I had the audio from the videos, he took his Twitter profile private. So, you know, I got what I got. All right. So who knows? By the time you hear this episode of the Doc Washburn show, the FBI may have actually gone to speak to him and already apprehended him. Oh, by the way, here's the funny part. Raphael Rodin apparently is using his real name on Twitter. He actually even linked to his website, Raphael Rodin. Dot com. So not a really bright guy. But you heard him. He said he's willing to die. He said he's willing to go to jail, etc. So it will not be hard for the FBI and or Homeland Security and or the Secret Service to find him if they want to find him. Now, a simple internet search, which I did, Gave away the fact that one Raphael Rodin lives in the Chicago area. It also gave me all the Google reviews Raphael Rodin has done over the past few years of Chicagoland restaurants and other places of interest in the Windy City. And trust me, if I can find where he lives that easily... If the feds actually want to find him, well, they got skills. You know what I'm saying? They got tools. If they actually want to find him, they will be able to find him easily. I mean, you know, they got a lot more tools at their disposal than I do. I'm just, that's all I'm trying to say on that. But if what, I mean, what if they don't do anything about him? What conclusion should we draw with that? Because I don't know. I don't know what, if anything, they're going to do. I mean, if we get to close a business on Thursday, the 22nd, and they haven't done anything with this guy, the only conclusion I would be able to come to is that they don't really care If a man who they say got 81 million votes a couple of years ago has been threatened with assassination, I really hope they just go ahead 
I hope they've broken his door down already and they have arrested Raphael Rodin already. I'm pretty sure threatening to murder people is not covered by the First Amendment. Okay? Pretty sure on that. Now, I'm not an attorney. And I've never been in law enforcement. But I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say that threatening to assassinate the occupant of the Oval Office, threatening to assassinate the governor of Florida, either one, that's not, uh, that's not covered by the First Amendment. Okay, now, just in case. Oh, by the way, his Twitter profile says, Raphael Roden, 2024, reparations, climate reversal, universal basic income, health care and education, abortion, voting and housing rights, police, prison, and war abolition. So he thinks prisons should be abolished. So again, I'm going to go way out on a limb and say it's possible, it's possible this guy could be a lib. And so I was just checking Twitter, because I've been doing show prep for a few hours, just checking Twitter to see if there's been any update. Any update. Any news on Raphael Rodin. And they won't give me anything. All they give me is his profile, which is on private mode. So that's distressing. So let me check Reddit. I wonder if we got anything on Reddit. All right. Doesn't look like much on Reddit. Because Twitter and Reddit are kind of where, you know, news breaks. You don't need to know this if you're just a normal person and you don't do, know what, you don't do what I do, but I, I'm just telling you. I'm trying to think of alternative places to look for something about Raphael Rodin, and we don't see any updates. I know what I could do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let me go back and check um, libs of TikTok on Twitter and see if they've got any kind of update going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let 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 us because because I want to know. I don't want to be sitting here saying, "Hey, I hope the FBI took him down." If they already have, you know, I want to give credit where it's due. So I'm scrolling back through libs of TikTok, right? And let's see if his uh, they still have his video up because even though he's taking his tweets private oh I see I forgot about that so libs of TikTok 
when they put this thing up at 7.03 p.m. Wednesday evening, they tagged the FBI with it right off the rip, okay? And, yeah, that video is no longer available because he went private, all right? And you got a whole lot of people responding about, you know, what are the statistics on black and white crime, white and black crime, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but see, uh, I don't see anybody who actually clicked through and saw that he had video two and video three and actually threatened Biden and DeSantis. I don't see anybody did that. They probably just watched the video that, that lives a TikTok had about, hey, you know, kill white people, whatever. But there's one person that did a, um, a compilation of videos of, of black people being extremely violent to white people. And Raphael don't care about that. You, folk like Raphael who are looking for a reason to rationalize violence, they don't care. The truth is not something they're going to be interested in, right? It's just like folk who um, rationalize abortion. Start talking about a woman's body and all this kind of stuff. You tell them, well, what about the baby, baby's body? They don't care. They don't care. So I don't see any of these people responding they probably just watched that one minute, like 59-second video, Libs of TikTok, had of this guy, didn't click through to his Twitter profile, so never saw the short video two and the short video three. So they have no idea. that the guy is threatening Biden and DeSantis. Let me do control F here and just see if Biden's name comes up. No, 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 it doesn't come up. Doesn't come up. So they're all like, well, you know, he's just threatening to kill white people. The FBI is not going to do anything about it. Okay. Well, they wouldn't do anything about that. And there are hundreds of responses, by the way. Now, they wouldn't do anything about that, but security's pretty tight around the uh, the inhabitant of the Oval Office. I just put it that way. All right? Again, if the federales can locate Mike Lindell driving back home from a hunting trip in Iowa at a Hardy's drive-thru in a small town in rural southern Minnesota, Mankato, Minnesota, they will surely not have any trouble at all 
locating one Mr. Raphael Rodin, who is all over the Internet. He's got a website up there, raphaelroden.com. They can get, you know, they can find out what computer he's on, where it is, you know, track the last time he updated his website. And I hope they do, man. I hope they do. But because if they let this go like 24 hours after libs of TikTok tagged the FBI on this, we would have to draw some unpleasant conclusions that we would rather not draw, okay? I mean, Raphael Rodin didn't threaten Kamala Harris, right? Know what I'm saying, Holmes? Now, somebody on the live stream, see, most people listen to the Doc Washburn show after the fact on the podcast, but a few people actually listen to us live, whether, you know, the the original intention was to do it at 11 a.m. Central every day and just, uh, I just do way too much show prep, so sometimes I don't wind up doing the show until the middle of the night. But anyway, um, Somebody actually listening on the live stream after 3 a.m. Central Time said, why is it that the U.S. population is 13% black and that percentage commits over 50% of all violent crimes? And I answered single-parent households. Because, see, I, I don't have time to really get into detailed answers Um you know, typing stuff up because I can't think and type at the same time. But I do want to, I do want to expound on that for just a moment. I have seen research. If you compare violent crime rates between young white males growing up or who have grown up in a two-parent, mother and father, married household with young black males who grew up in a two-parent, mother and father, married household, those violent crime rates are very, very low for white and black. They're indistinguishable. What sends the black young male violent crime rate through the roof is how many single mothers or single grandmothers, or even single great-grandmothers, are trying to raise them. It's not a racial thing. It's a cultural thing, but it's not a racial thing. You know, and there are people who are raised by a single mother who turn out just great, like Dr. Ben Carson. I'm just talking about statistics. The thing that sends the violent crime rate through the roof for young black males is the single parent quotient. Young black males who grew up in a two-parent household, mom and dad are married and stay married, don't commit any more violent crime than young white males who grow up in a two-parent household, mom and dad stay married. So, you know, I'm glad somebody asked that question because I'm happy to give an answer. 
And so the answer the person who asked said, uh, was, yeah, thanks, welfare. Yeah, the federal government is not your friend. The federal government wants as many people as possible who have to rely on them. They don't like independent people who can do for themselves. I will never forget. I will never forget. I was watching C-SPAN in the year 2000. Al Gore and George W. Bush running for president. And the host of this segment on C-SPAN had a gentleman on as his guest who was um, the head of the National Association of Black Small Business Owners. Registered Democrat, but he was going to vote for George W. Bush. And the C-SPAN guy was kind of surprised. Said, well, why are you supporting George W. Bush? You're the, you're the president of the National Black Small Business Owners Association. You're a registered Democrat. He said, because George W. Bush is willing to come talk to us. Al Gore wouldn't even return. He, he wouldn't even dignify our request with a response. Now, what does that tell you? I think you can do the math on that. All right, thank you once again to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. We love you guys, and we really appreciate you. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? 
or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you once again to Jonathan Presswood, financial advisor at Edward Jones, our friend and our advertiser, also Mitch Ward, proprietor of RedRiverYourWay.com, a friend and an advertiser. People like this make it possible for us to do what we do here five times a week on the Doc Washburn Show. All right, um, the great Matt Walsh, the guy who did the great movie, What is a Woman? Boy, he's got a new one. Jordan Boyd over the Federalist.com writes about it. The real victim of Matt Walsh's trans expose isn't Vanderbilt University Medical Center. It's all the kids they maimed. Subtitle, if VUMC could vouch for the ethics of grotesquely mutilating minors, it wouldn't have wiped its websites promoting the procedures. And the article says, since 2018, the Vanderbilt University Medical Center has unabashedly promoted chemical castration and genital mutilation for minors. Now that the Daily Wire's Matt Walsh exposed how the Nashville-based facility began performing irreversible procedures masked as gender-affirming care on kids in 2018 because, quote, it's a big moneymaker, unquote, Vanderbilt University Medical Center is reining in its public support for the maiming of children while committing to continuing to practice in private. And so, embedded in the article are some tweets from the great Matt Walsh. Like this one. Vanderbilt opened its trans clinic in 2018 during a lecture the same year Dr. Shane Taylor explained. how she convinced Nashville to get into the gender transition game. She emphasized that it is a big moneymaker, especially because the surgeries require a lot of follow-ups. Don't believe me. Don't believe Matt Walsh. Here is the audio from the video of her saying exactly this. 
Starting in January 1st of 2017, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. Uh, a patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Now these I got from the internet, um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making. And this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. They're saying they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty, but that doesn't include your hospital stay, that doesn't include your post-op visits, that doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's uh, piece of it, which anybody who's ever been in a hospital knows that that's like 10% of it. Uh, and the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate if they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Uh, Dr. Winnaker, who's our surgeon, said that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties, and that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor intensive, they require a lot of follow-ups, they require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. Make a lot of money. Phalloplasty, that's when they uh, strip away a lot of meat from a girl's arm to try to give her a male part down below. It's insane. It's insane. Matt Walsh says, well, no, I mean, I'll say it. It's child abuse. It's horrible. These people should be in prison for the rest of their lives. Matt Walsh's next tweet embedded in this article at thefederalist.com says, Vanderbilt was apparently concerned that not all of its staff would be on board. Dr. Ellen Clayton warned that conscientious objections are problematic. Anyone who decides not to be involved in transition surgeries due to religious beliefs will face consequences. So here she is. If you are going to assert conscientious objection, you have to th realize that that is problematic. You are doing something to another person and you are not paying for the, the cost for your belief. I think that is a real, I mean, I think that's a real issue. So, um, so I think, you know, so you're, so yes, Vanderbilt, if someone has a conscientious objection to pers uh, participating in this sort of surgery, it, it would probably have to accommodate you to the extent that you can find another person who can do your job, who doesn't have an objection, other things of that nature. But I just want you to take home 
that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs, is not without consequences, and and it should not be without consequences. And I just want to put that out there. We are given enormous. If you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. You got that. That is Dr. Ellen Clayton. She has been professor of pediatrics, professor of law, and co-founder of the Center for Biomedical Ethics and Society at Vanderbilt since 1988. Now, the Federalist article continues as Matt Walsh Noted in his viral Twitter thread documenting Vanderbilt University Medical Center's unwavering commitment to the transgender agenda. The facility's ill-named care includes giving double mastectomies to teen girls and putting children on drugs that could render them infertile, sexually dysfunctional, vulnerable, to a cardiac event, susceptible to cancer, and filled with regret. And there are links. They've got links. The first link, Abigail Schreier from back uh, April 7th. And that's the one about the sexually dysfunctional, vulnerable to a cardiac event, susceptible to cancer. She's, she's, she's got the receipts. Filled with regret, links to an article by Joy Pullman from October 7th, 2019, at thefederalist.com. Hundreds of transgender people want to go back to their birth sex, says formerly trans woman. A lot of regrets, a lot of regrets. So we have more embedded tweets from Matt Walsh from Tuesday, September 20th. He says, but they must have forgotten to delete a video from Vanderbilt Psychiatry's YouTube channel back in 2020, which admits explicitly that they will give and have given irreversible hormone drugs to children as young as 13 years old. Here's the clip. We can provide gender-affirming hormones on an individual who is on a pubertal blocker, depending on whatever kind of blocker they've chosen or we have discussed with them, or they can present to us at a later stage of puberty, and then we provide the gender-affirming hormones. Previously, the Endocrine Society recommended to start these at age 16, but we all know that would be delayed puberty, right? Not 16-year-olds don't start puberty. So more recently, they did update that to say as early as 14 for compelling reasons. So we have some individuals who have started gender-affirming hormones at 13 or 14 to be more like their peers. Again, fertility preservation and consent are very important to discuss prior to any initiation of the Got that? And it even says on the screenshot of the YouTube video about masculinizing. In other words, trying to make little girls feel like they're little boys. Secession of menses, 
increased libido, increased facial and body hair, increased oiliness to skin, increased muscle redistribution of fat mass and deeper voice. And you better believe there are teenage girls who've been through this who deeply regret it. Matt Walsh's next tweet embedded in this article on thefederalist.com says, after they have drugged and sterilized the kids, Vanderbilt, as explained in this video presentation by plastic surgeon Julian Winoker and physician's assistant Shailen Vanderblomen, will happily perform double mastectomies on adolescent girls. Here's the clip. So when we, when we talk about the WPATH guidelines, so in order for our patients to really um, successfully undergo these surgeries, we do, uh, again, follow these guidelines. So a lot of times it's for insurance purposes, um, but we, again, insurance is kind of follow suit with the WPATH guidelines for the most part. So for any kind of top surgery, uh, we do require one letter of persistent, well-documented gender dysphoria by a licensed mental health provider. Um, we ensure that the patient is capable of making uh, fully informed decisions on the, their own. They're the age of majority. However, for a lot of our younger patients, um, again, if they are 16, 17 here at Vanderbilt, um, if they have been on testosterone, have a parental consent, um, we're able to do a lot of the top surgeries for those patients. So you hear this woman talking about WPATH. Do you know what that stands for? World Professional Association for Transgender Health. And do you know who came up with the whole idea that gender and sex are two different things? A guy named Dr. John Money, who was a pedophile, who conducted horrible experiments on little boys who would then go on to commit suicide when they grew up. He's the guy that gave us all this stuff. Now, when you go to Wikipedia and you look up World Professional Association for Transgender Health, they're not going to uh, they're not going to mention Dr. John Money. No, no. He's an embarrassment to them. Anyway, the uh, Federalist.com article continues shortly after Walsh's report. Both the Monroe Carell Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt and the Vanderbilt University Medical Center scrubbed their web pages promoting irreversible sex procedures for minors. Archived versions of the websites show an extensive library of resources created by leftist and LGBT groups such as the Human Rights Campaign, which pushes families of gender dysphoric youth to consider putting their children under the knife. That included services such as the so-called Trans Buddy Program, which pairs vulnerable kids with transgender activists who, in Matt Walsh's words, evaluate the doctors to guard against what they call unsafe behavior, such as misgendering. 
All right. We have another embedded tweet from Matt Walsh in this Federalist.com article. He says, in case the objectors had not gotten the memo, Vanderbilt unveiled a program called Trans Buddies. The buddies are trans activists from the community who attend appointments with trans patients monitoring the doctors to guard against what they call unsafe behavior such as misgendering. Okay? So here's the clip. My name is Sean Riley, and I am the program coordinator for TransBuddy at the Program for LGBTQ Health at Vanderbilt University. TransBuddy provides trained peer advocates for transgender patients who are coming for doctor's appointments or other healthcare-related services. Whether you're looking for something that's related to medical transition, such as hormone therapy, or something completely unrelated, like breaking an arm or going to an ENT, we are here, here to help support any transgender patients that come through our doors. The TransBuddy program was organically created through the efforts of transgender people and continues to consistently be led by trans people in Middle Tennessee. TransBuddy program is a one-of-a-kind in the nation, and institutions are looking to Vanderbilt to replicate and expand programs like ours. We're not seeking to find solutions often for people's problems. We're just seeking to be there and to accompany and to be a friendly face um, and to be a non-medical face in a, in a place where everybody coming in the room is going to be a healthcare provider and and may be unsafe. Sometimes I'm there to be um, sort of uh, always observing kind of how hospital staff are um, interacting with the individuals. And again, you know, using correct pronouns or treating the individual with respect. Okay, I looked up uh, Sean Riley on LinkedIn. She is trans buddy program coordinator at the program for LGBTQ health at Vanderbilt University. She's had that job since July of 2018. And the description for what she does says, work with the program for LGBTQ health at Vanderbilt to increase access to care and improve healthcare outcomes for transgender people by providing emotional support to transgender patients through healthcare visit accompaniment, okay? Staff trainings and social events. Oh, I bet they have social events. With an emphasis on a patient-centered approach, we work to empower transgender patients with tools and information they need to make informed healthcare decisions, recruit, train, and retain volunteers for the TransBuddy program, preparing volunteers to accompany transgender patients on their healthcare visits, train hospital staff and community partners on issues related to transgender health, create and disseminate community resources that address the needs of transgender communities. They don't want the little girl or the little boy to change his or her mind. The TransBuddy program is designed, obviously, for peer pressure. They don't want the little boy or the little girl to back out. 
Got it. Now, she's also a youth advisory board member in San Francisco at the same time as having this gig at Vanderbilt in Nashville. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Oh, well, this, this, okay, all right, calm down, calm down. This should uh, ease your fears. She's got a Master of Divinity at Vanderbilt, not to mention a Master of Education, a Bachelor's Degree in Human and Organizational Studies, uh, but a Master of Divinity, so, you know, she's a woman of the cloth, right? Bible says women can't be preachers. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know, but I don't think she cares about that. Yeah, I just don't think she could care less about that because if she could, then she wouldn't be trying to say God made a mistake and you're a male trapped in a female body or a female trapped in a male body. But it looks like she has been involved for a long time and different sorts of LGBTQ kind of deals going way back. Anyway, um, the next embedded tweet from Matt Walsh says, Vanderbilt makes their trans buddies available to children, too. They make lots of services available to children, including chemical castration. Though at some point in the last month, they removed explicit admission of this fact from their website, but here is the archived screenshot. And again, the Internet is forever. Let's look at this archived screenshot. Tests, treatments, and services. The website, childrenshospitalvanderbilt.org. We offer a full range of tests, treatments, and services, including gender-affirming hormone therapy and pubertal blocking. Gee, I wonder why they would uh, delete all that stuff. Why in the world would they delete all that stuff? The Federalist.com article continues, Speaking of trans activists, blue check marks on Twitter were not happy with Matt Walsh's expose and began claiming that Vanderbilt University Medical Center is the victim in the situation because it had to shift medical appointments for its trans clinic to virtual telehealth appointments as a result of threats being made. Oh, yeah, yeah, they always, always, always claim their threats being made. Sure. Alejandro Carabello, who goes by Esquire on Twitter, says Vanderbilt Medical Center has had to shift medical appointments for its trans clinic to virtual telehealth appointments as a result of threats being made. Matt Walsh is inciting a terror campaign against the hospital and disrupting care. He will get people hurt or killed. That's what they always say. Angered by Matt Walsh's reporting, other Twitter users 
including an abortionist whose medical license was suspended by the Alabama Board of Medical Examiners in 2020, claimed that any and all threats made against Vanderbilt University Medical Center are Matt Walsh's fault and deserve the wrath of the FBI and Department of Justice. Matt Walsh said, leftists are trying to get me arrested for factually reporting on Vanderbilt's transgender clinic. Leah Torres, MD, who should never be called an MD because she's a murderer. She uh, quite openly advertised that she uh, murdered unborn babies. And just in case they would come out alive, she would uh, cut their trachea so they couldn't scream. Anyway, she said Matt Walsh is off the rails and he is behaving dangerously. I reviewed his post just from today, and he's going to get people hurt and or killed. I reported the post, but that hardly feels like enough, and she tagged the FBI. Now, she's the one who should be in prison for the rest of her life. Actually, you know, there should be the death penalty for abortion, but anyway, that's all another show. And she has a screenshot of Matt Walsh's first tweet in the thread, which said, breaking, my team and I have been investigating the transgender clinic at Vanderbilt here in Nashville. Vanderbilt drugs, chemically castrates, and performs double mastectomies on minors, but it gets worse. Here's what we found. Let's start at the beginning. Now, the Federalist.com article says, the real victims here, however, aren't the staff at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, or even the staff at the Boston Children's Hospital, they are the children whose bodies were sterilized, mutilated, and maimed in the name of transgenderism. It's no secret that the transgender movement is mentally, physically, and spiritually hurting adults and children alike. Yet Vanderbilt University Medical Center, which brags about serving more than 1.5 million patients per each year, readily enables and profits from it. How many of those Vanderbilt University Medical Center patients were immature, underdeveloped kids with limited cognitive abilities who, with the coercion of authority figures such as doctors and their parents, and maybe even trans buddies, were put on damaging drugs or even underwent surgery that altered the course of their life forever? If Vanderbilt University Medical Center could vouch for the ethics of grotesquely mutilating minors, it wouldn't have wiped its websites promoting the procedures, but it can't. Instead, Vanderbilt University Medical Center is hiding behind a 404 error page with hopes that the news of its undying commitment to profiting off of maiming children fades away. Right now, their only ammunition is a vague statement that claims without proof that Matt Walsh's posts quote, misrepresent facts about the care the medical center provides to transgender patients, unquote, and insist that carving up kids is ethical simply because parents consent to it. If Matt Walsh, Tennessee's Republican Governor Bill Lee, Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn, and other child advocates have a say in it, Vanderbilt University Medical Center will not be successful in its attempts to escape serious scrutiny or punishment. In a statement to the Daily Wire, Governor Lee said, the pediatric transgender clinic at Vanderbilt University Medical Center raises serious 
moral, ethical, and legal concerns. We should not allow permanent life-altering decisions that hurt children or policies that suppress religious liberties, all for the purpose of financial gain. We have to protect Tennessee children, and this warrants a thorough investigation. That's Jordan Boyd, staff writer at The Federalist and co-producer of The Federalist Radio Hour. Her work has also been featured in The Daily Wire and Fox News. And the article at thefederalist.com is entitled The Real Victim of Matt Walsh's Trans Exposé Isn't Vanderbilt University Medical Center. It's all the kids they maimed. And that is the unvarnished truth. No way around it. Now, I want to give you a little update on what's going on with um, President Trump's situation as he is locked in this uh, the legal wranglings with the feds over the Mar-a-Lago raid. But first of all, thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends who make it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you again to our friends, our advertisers, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree at turnmypoweron.com. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, they've helped so many people that we know over the years. Wonderful people. Best kept secret in American health care. Okay. Now, i got to tell you a little bit about kind of an update on what's going on. Legalinsurrection.com. The great William A. Jacobson article entitled Mar-a-Lago Raid, 11th Circuit Grants Partial Stay of District Court Special Master Order as to Documents Marked Classified. 
feds entitled to a stay of the district court's order to the extent that it, number one, requires the government to submit for the special master's review the documents with classification markings, and number two, and joins the United States from using that subset of documents in a criminal investigation. And it gets pretty deep, but here's the thing that concerns me. Julie Kelly, the great Julie Kelly, over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, she watched Donald Trump's Wednesday evening interview with Sean Hannity. And here's what she said out there on her Twitter feed. Trump to Hannity accurately says how the DOJ spied on his campaign. Now discussing the Steele dossier and Igor Danchenko as FBI informant. This is a guy the FBI knew. None of the stuff he gave to Christopher Steele for the dossier, which is the basis for them spying on Trump, none of it was valid. It was all bogus. They knew this by... January 2017, the latest, and they put him on their payroll for three and a half years to keep him, keep him quiet. So the quote from Trump is, the corruption is unbelievable. There have to be changes made. Our country is sick. We have a country in decline. But then Sean Hannity brings up something about the special master. Okay? This... Uh, Judge Raymond Joseph Deary, D-E-A-R-I-E. And this was very troubling. Um, President Trump tells Sean Hannity he didn't know that his own lawyers suggested Judge Deary as a special master. Judge Deary is the judge who signed the last unlawful FISA warrant on Carter Page enabling the FBI to continue spying on Trump. President Trump didn't know that his own lawyer said, oh, this guy will work as a special, special master. Because Judge Deary has already ignored the orders of Judge Eileen Cannon, who said, yes, you can have a special master to President Trump's legal team. Judge Cannon ordered the judge not to take the Justice Department's word that there are 100 documents marked classified, Judge Cannon ordered the special master to check out all those documents, and immediately the special master, his first meeting, Tuesday, said, well, if the DOJ says they're marked classified, they're marked classified. They're classified. Uh." So it's extremely concerning that Trump on something this crucial about who's going to be allowed to be the special master, just left it to his attorneys and had no idea That's it. that they agree with DOJ. Oh, yeah, that guy will work. I get it. Trump's a big-picture guy. I get it. But at some point, you got to pay attention to details. You have to. And you have to... Um, have bright, trustworthy attorneys. And so this is a serious concern here. Julie Kelly mentioned, of course, that the Sean Hannity 
interview with Trump was taped before the three appellate judges on the 11th Circuit, two of them, two of the appellate judges, two of the three, signed off on an emergency stay to separate the so-called classified documents from the special master review. Like, no, you can't look at those. The three judges, two of them were Trump judges, one was an Obama judge. I'm not sure which rule which way. So the, the, the appeal is going on, and I'm sure that it's going to go to the full 11th Circuit after this. But you just, you just, you can't be Donald Trump and tell the whole country, oh, I didn't know my lawyers agreed with the Justice Department prosecutors that Judge Deary, who signed off on the last fraudulent FISA warrant on Carter Page that allowed the FBI to continue spying on me after I entered the Oval Office, I didn't know they said that judge who was on the FISA court would be just fine as special master. Uh, that could be a fatal error. In, I mean, I hope it's not. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not law enforcement. But this is a concern. And, and, and you know, as wonderful a president as he was, none of us are perfect, and sometimes he made mistakes trusting the wrong people. So, Oh, boy. Anyway, be that as it may, I, I guess it's... Guess it's about time to say hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com, big old car dealership in the middle of the United States of America that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Okay, today's tweet of the day is from the great Mike Davis. I interviewed him, um, episode 225. He was a uh, law clerk for Justice Gorsuch and also was chief counsel for the United States Senate Judiciary Committee when the Republicans were in charge under Trump. And he put this tweet out a few hours ago. He said, the Democrats in the House January 6th Committee, Biden White House and Justice Department, and New York Attorney General's Office all decide simultaneously to pursue Trump just in time for the midterm elections. No coincidence at all, right? No politicization at all, right? Mike Davis has a wonderful knack for sarcasm. And I appreciate him. I really do. That is our tweet of the day on the Doc Washburn Show. Thanks again to RedRiverYourWay.com. All right, you've been listening to episode 244 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, for they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible. 
Directed by Mick Messy, this has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is, Thursday, September 22nd, 2022.